In the hours after a judge acquitted Jason Stockley of first-degree murder on September 15th, St. Louis Alderman John Collins Muhammad appeared at the street where Anthony Lamar Smith died six years ago. He relayed a clear message. We want justice today. We want justice for every black man, every black woman that has died at the hands of police, that has died at the hands of a racist, white, privileged system, an institution set up for the black man, a black woman to fail. No more of that. That will change right here today. Joining Collins Muhammad were two younger Democratic state lawmakers. The first was Bruce Franks, who was in the protest movement that emerged after Michael Brown's 2014 shooting death in Ferguson. The other was Joshua Peters, who represents a legislative district in North St. Louis struggling with vacant buildings and homicide. Our legislative delegation needs to step up and realize what's taking place. Every day I come outside and I see a violent crime taking place, whether that's somebody getting beat up, somebody getting shot, somebody getting killed. I witnessed five of my friends get murdered right in front of me walking outside of Beaumont High School at the age of 16. I'm 30. And this shit is still going on. When does it stop? When does any of this stop? You have the power. You have the power. What are you going to give us? We're still enslaved. What are you doing to help us? No justice, no peace. Peters, Collins, Muhammad, and Franks are millennial politicians coming to power when there's a nationwide movement over how police treat black people. They're not only working for policy change in legislative bodies, but they've also joined with people demonstrating in St. Louis over Stockley's acquittal. Frank says his goals are more far-reaching than just getting a bill to the governor's desk. There has to be an understanding is that y'all have to and y'all will stop killing us. Now, with that particular understanding, we can't put forth legislation. We can't put forth a list of demands that's going to get you to truly understand that. You can't understand that through passing just one bill or my life. You can't tell that my life matters from 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 uh, some bullet points on a piece of paper. Um, you have to feel it and we have to make you feel it. We have to make you uncomfortable. We have to um, make make sure you're not at ease and business isn't um, as normal. So we have to do it strategically and we have to be consistent. On this edition of the Politically Speaking podcast, we examine how St. Louis's youthful elected officials are reacting and participating in a protest movement for police accountability. We also get some perspective from older political figures about how this generation of leaders is in a unique position. So let's hit the music. Hi, everybody. I'm Jason Rosenbaum, and this is the Politically Speaking podcast, a show about Missouri politics that swims through our turbulent times. What you heard before the music is an extended version of a feature I did on African-American politicians who are stepping to the forefront after the Jason Stockley verdict. And I wanted to spend some time here exploring how St. Louis's new wave and old school political classes are reacting to the past week. Now, as a 33-year-old, I suppose there is some inherent bias about being drawn to the idea of young people being involved in electoral politics. But it's hard to ignore in St. Louis. More than a dozen city and state elected officials in the St. Louis area are under the age of 40. 
Nearly every state House district that takes in parts of North St. Louis is represented by a young politician, such as State Representative Joshua Peters. There's a lot that needs to be reformed within the city of St. Louis locally, as well as in, within the state of Missouri. And we're seeing this wave take place across the country. Um, so just coming from the community that I serve in, um, the violence that has been taking place in the city of St. Louis in a certain portion, let's say the high violence, the, the, the main criminal violence taking place in a certain area of the, of the city of St. Louis demonstrates that there's not or was not or has not been a, a level of attention there uh, that needs to be there. One of the people that's been especially involved in the protest movement emanating from the Stockley verdict is State Representative Bruce Franks, and that should come as no surprise. As mentioned in the intro, the St. Louis Democrat was involved in the protest movement emanating from Michael Brown's shooting death in Ferguson before he was elected to the Missouri House last year. What changes is we're, we're, we're activists and we are, um, we're three years in the game now. You know, you live and you learn. Um, and so, you know, we, we were just prepared to fight. So I just wanted to send a message to let, you know, the city know, the system know, the state know that, that we are here. Um, we ain't going anywhere and, you know, get used to it. In addition to Franks, Peters and Collins Muhammad, State Representative Michael Butler and St. Louis Alderman Brandon Bosley have also taken part in protests after Stockley's acquittal. They've also been joined by a slew of younger white aldermen. And I do think that a lot of times we are sort of told, well, we're new or, you know, this is the way it's been done. And we don't want to take that as an answer. That's 11th Ward Alderwoman Sarah Martin. The 33-year-old represents a part of South St. Louis with a large African-American population. Martin joined many of her colleagues out in the streets on September 15th after Stockley was acquitted. She relayed the varied reaction she's received from constituents since protests began. About three different sides in my, um, as far as constituents go. One, the hard line, Blue Lives Matter, um, we need no accountability. Um, then we have the um, other people that, uh, you know, whatever it takes, um, sort of rationalizing the vandalism, which I absolutely think um, is not okay. And also that just takes away from the message of the protest. Um, and then I do have people, I think, sort of where I am, where we need accountability. We can't pretend that in any workforce that you're going to have 100 percent um, good judgment and 100 percent um you know, people who are uh, doing uh, the right thing or following protocol. That's never going to happen in any workplace. So it's certainly not going to happen um, in the police force. And then also people that, um, I mean, I honestly just don't even know what happened to our basic civics lessons as far as understanding uh, the justice system. And I think there are people like me who do understand that, um, you know, why people are so frustrated about the verdict, um, what happened, uh, that a police officer was carrying his own AK-47. The police officer said, I'm going to kill him. Um, that's not a direct quote, but we all know what he actually said. And um, that have empathy uh, with um, the disenfranchised in our community and also have empathy um, with, say, the mayor and her position in all this. Martin was referring to St. Louis Mayor Lida Cruson. She just took office a few months ago, but her leadership during the Stockley protests is under intense scrutiny. Cruzan has stressed she is hearing what younger politicians and people in the street are saying. She's advocating following through on the Ferguson Commission report, which was compiled more than a year after Brown's death. I mean, we have inherited 150 years, give or take, of policies and laws, and um, 
That's the situation that we're in today. It's not, everything's not gonna change overnight, but we do have to continue to press for those of us who believe that, um, that policies and laws need to change, that all people need to have better opportunities, better education, better opportunities for jobs, um, and that that's the right thing to do, we have to continue to press for that. So let's be clear about something. St. Louis's younger group of politicians face big obstacles to achieve their goals. Some of the items in the aforementioned Ferguson Commission, including bringing in independent investigators when there's a police-involved killing, require buy-in from the Missouri General Assembly. The Republicans that control the legislature didn't pass those types of ideas after Ferguson. Peters acknowledged the steep challenge of convincing the GOP to go along with a post-Stockley policy agenda. Of course, the Missouri General Assembly um, is kind of detached from what we face here uh, in the city of St. Louis, the, the, the issues that we face, that we're faced with here in the city of St. Louis. They are the ones who are going to ultimately be the decision makers and the, and the game changers in this particular situation. So um, when folks such as myself and, and other individuals introduce legislation in Jefferson City pertaining to specific issues that is, uh, that's affecting our constituency, they should be listening to that. They should be paying attention to that. And it's not just Republicans who are opposed to some of the Ferguson Commission's recommendations. Several high-ranking Democrats oppose bringing in outside prosecutors whenever a police officer kills somebody. That includes U.S. Senator Claire McCaskill and St. Louis Prosecutor Bob McCullough, who holds a lot of sway with legislators from both parties. The reason it doesn't work to just say, hey, we're going to have a special prosecutor do these cases automatically is that who is that special prosecutor? Who's paying that prosecutor? Do, you know, are you waiting for them? Or is it going to be somebody coming from across the state? Who's going to appoint them? Who's going to pay them? All those are issues that nobody ever seems to address and really aren't addressable. The other barrier has less to do with party politics and more to do with how people are reacting to these protests. I could state a thousand times that the vast majority of demonstrators have been peaceful, but there will still be people who don't live in St. Louis who think otherwise, thanks to sporadic acts of violence and vandalism that occurred after Stockley's acquittal. But that doesn't deter Franks from pressing on. We have to... Um start to understand the challenges and barriers in the black community um, and in the poor community. And folks that don't live in these communities, like you said, they have their preconceived uh, notions on how this goes or how it's supposed to go or what the news says or what the police says. It's only one side with them. Um, it's so far-fetched to get them to believe that the police um, are, you know, um, performing in these different type of manners or there is misconduct going on or the system doesn't actually work. In America, we can't make America great again for folks it's never been great for in the first place. Um, so it's hard for them to grasp that. But the only way to truly get them to grasp that is to, to make them feel it. Um, and, and even with hard conversations, even with showing up and having those conversations and bringing folks to your districts and to your areas to, to, to show them and shine light on it. It's fair to say that African-American politicians with a little bit more experience than the people you've heard from are paying attention. One of those people is former state representative John Bowman, who represented a portion of St. Louis County in the Missouri House from 2000 to 2008. 
Even though Collins, Muhammad, Peters, and Franks come from different political factions, Bowman says they're all bound together by similar experiences growing up in predominantly African-American neighborhoods. When you grow up in a black community where you witness some of the most tragic crime that a person can imagine, and that becomes a part of your, your life growing up as a youth, that one perspective crosses over all segments. It, it crosses over whether you're Baptist, Catholic, whatever. When you grow up in a neighborhood where you actually can see someone killed and then go through life with that memory, your perception of what should be happening in the community is totally different than a lot of people. And no one can tell you about the changes that need to be made in your community better than you because you've lived through it. Mike Jones served on the St. Louis Board of Aldermen from 1981 to 1984 before holding a host of governmental and corporate posts over the last few decades. Before coming to the studio, I sent Jones a clip of Collins, Muhammad, Franks, and Peters speaking after the Stockley verdict. First of all, I was um, struck by the seriousness uh, and the tone, but more importantly, uh, how they addressed the juxtaposition between being black in America and the American reality versus the American uh, myth. And I haven't heard black politicians speak to that in any way since I was their age, okay? So we, I think we have this, you're, you're, you're looping back to a different uh, in the, on the verge, I would argue, of hopefully producing a different kind of black elected official politician. Jones was heavily influenced by the black student movement, which came after the civil rights movement of the early 1960s. In his opinion, black politicians that came to power in the 1980s and the 1990s had a much different perspective than either himself or the elected officials of today. And if I had a critique of the generation and a half that have followed behind uh, me in politics is that they all belong to the Rodney King caucus of politicians. Can we all just get along? And it's, it's not coming from an activist base, a movement base to inform your politics that allows you to get caught up into this entrepreneurial, uh, laissez-faire individual ambition versus you can have individual ambition, but it always has to be in service to uh, the empowerment of uh, the black community. And that's been a cornerstone historically of black engagement in politics post-Reconstruction, because we've always been in an adverse position vis-a-vis uh, -vis the American uh, political structure. One of the points that both Jones and Terry Kennedy stressed to me is that the movement you're seeing now is part of a continuum. Kennedy, an 18th Ward Democrat, first entered electoral politics as a young man, and he doesn't see the fight for African-American empowerment as a new phenomenon. First of all, you cannot view the Black Lives Matter movement outside of the entire movement for justice in America, and particularly justice for people of color, in particular African-Americans. That has been a movement since we were brought here as chattel of slavery. Um, and so what we're people today calling the Black Lives Matter movement is simp simply the iteration of it that we see in 2017. That movement for justice 
is a push for the rights of African Americans to have equal participation in this country as all others. Not just equal participation, but the right to have self-determination, the right to be able to express our cultural views, how we see things, our right to jobs, our right to equity. And there's a difference between equity and equality. Our right to be able to live decent lives in America as we see fit, meaning from our cultural perspective. Kennedy says he knows firsthand about being a younger person entering into the political realm. When I came in, I was 33 years old. I came out of the activist movement as a part of the anti-apartheid movement as a part of the movement to bring black studies into public schools and into the colleges, as a part of the civil rights movement, as a part of the black conscious movement. I came from that movement into this position, so I would have been the last person you would have thought would be in this position. So I understand protest and its place and what they are doing and the significance of it. We expect youth to bring us new ideas. And that is one of the things that they bring in, and, and we look forward to that. And it is a necessary part of the ongoing development of any society. Each generation is supposed to bring to the table their thoughts and ideas about how life should be. Now, there's a responsibility, certainly, of the previous generation to teach them what has been the foundation from the past. But we expect the youth to bring us new ideas. And we look forward to them doing that. And so what we're seeing today are those thoughts and ideas on what we should be doing today to answer the, the base question how can you have a country where everyone can participate and benefit from it equally? After years of discrimination, after years of oppression. So what we're, what we're looking at now, if we simply made everything equal today, meaning that if those who have been in power, if they get 50% and, and those who have been out of, who have been oppressed is 50%, we're still, those who have been oppressed are still behind. That's why it must be the talk around equity and not just equality. Jones said younger politicians coming to power now are in a unique position because a renewed movement for African-American empowerment and police accountability is propelling them forward. I think if you're black, you inherit this existential struggle that we have with, with America. The myth of, of America is really just that, the myth. The, the reality of America, if you're black, is something totally different. I think what uh, I will bequeath to, to John and Josh and Bruce uh, is the struggle, and that the struggle is kind of existential and it goes on, and I don't think we'll fix what's wrong with America in my lifetime or your lifetime or maybe your kid's lifetime. But you, what you have to do is pass on the struggle, and uh, maybe one day it gets better, but uh and you can't presume because we win tactical battles, whether they're voting rights or uh, uh, public accommodations or women get Title IX, that you've changed the fundamental infrastructure of the country. So uh, uh, you can keep Barack Obama's hope, but change will always be slow, and the system will fundamentally always be resistive. Uh, to it. And that's the attitude and frame of reference you got to have when you move into structural politics. So before letting Kennedy get back to his aldermanic business, I reminded him of something he said earlier this year. During a debate over whether St. Louis should fund a professional soccer stadium, Kennedy said the city desperately needed a paradigm shift, especially when it came to how it dealt with poverty and disenfranchisement. 
I asked Kennedy if St. Louis was experiencing that paradigm shift right now. I don't think that this particular issue has caused people to do a paradigm shift. I think that was happening anyway. But I think that situations and incidents like like this provide additional motivation, additional inspiration to begin to think differently. Uh, This seems to be so blatant. It would seem to be so clear that a different type of decision would have been made that it causes people to really take a step back and reconsider that there may be something wrong here that actually needs to be reformed and changed. And so you're hearing, I'm certainly not, we're certainly hearing that at the Board of Aldermen. We're hearing it in the community. So I, I think this provides additional energy towards what was already happening. I would just come back to the point is that we cannot see what people are calling the Black Lives Matter movement outside of the historical movement for justice and self-determination for African people in this country. It is just the name given to that same, what I believe to be both legitimate and, and both legitimate and righteous thrust for equity self-determination and equality for African people in this country. So I don't think we need to take it out of context, then is to cut off its foundation and its legs and give you no way to understand what you're seeing today. It is simply addressing the same issues that were addressed by the abolitionist movement, that was addressed by the civil rights movement, that was addressed by the black consciousness movement, the African consciousness movement. The same issues have not been fully resolved. And until they are resolved, this movement will live. I'm a pretty bad political prognosticator, so it's pretty hard for me to predict how the Stockley verdict and the protest movement that emanated from it will affect public policy and politics moving forward. But Collins Muhammad believes that his fellow elected officials are heading in the right direction. Like Franks, Collins Muhammad was a protester in Ferguson before getting elected as alderman. He says the protests over Stockley's acquittal look and feel different for a variety of reasons. For one thing, he says he's seeing more unity with black elected officials. That wasn't the case in Ferguson when infighting was commonplace. And not taking anything away from Ferguson, uh, but it's a little different when it happens in your own backyard, you know. Um, the same streets that you walk, the same uh, roads and streets that you drive down, the same cops that you encounter. It's just, it's a little bit more different. It's a little bit more intimate when it happens in your own home, in your own backyard. And uh, North St. Louis is my backyard. so. I do see uh, more unification and more cooperation with uh, black elected officials, especially young ones. Um, uh, Me and Representative Franks, uh, uh, the 78th District, we are working uh, uh, cohesively together to bring about more unity amongst the other elected officials who are around our age. Because when you look at Anthony Lamar Smith, uh, our age are not too uh, far apart. So we all see a connection. And that could have been us at any given time. Collins Muhammad said younger African-American elected officials are binded together through purpose. So we're all working together to push out the message that that we need accountability. We are demanding justice. And we are demanding that the system, that police department and uh, police officers stop killing us. That's the main message. Stop killing us. That's it for this week's edition of the Politically Speaking Podcast. And if I may, I highly recommend that you read all of our coverage on the Stockley verdict and its aftermath at stlpublicradio.org. 
I just want to give a special shout out and a plug to all of my wonderful colleagues at St. Louis Public Radio who are working very, very hard to deliver you coverage of this very important story for our region and our state. You can follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. And until next time, so long.